Well, hey there, everybody. Howdy, howdy, buzzards. This is Macy. This is Nicole. And you're listening to Bob's Killers. I went low for that one. (laughs) I like did hand gestures and you just sat there. (laughs) (laughs) I had to hit the low notes. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, hi guys. We always giggle after that. There's never going to be a time we don't. <sighs> but next time I'm going to do Buzz Killers. Buzz Killers. And you're listening to Buzz Killers. <laughs> Just like <laughs> scary ghost sounds. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> last episode of Unsolved. I'm kind of happy. <laughs> All right. I'm uh, like, no more. The month that has literally driven us absolutely fucking crazy because these cases are horrible. And nobody's gotten justice. You get no answers. It's driving me nutty. Oh, it's so terrible. I have to switch my alarm around. My timer. Oh, I got you. Because, (laughs) guys, if you didn't know, you probably didn't because I'm. We are masterful editors. No, that too. (laughs) But I just, (laughs) I have, we always have a timer for like 15 minutes so that we don't have any problems with uh, (laughs) recording anymore. We we had an issue where we we lost a few episodes, so we learned to like stop every fifteen minutes and, and save, save. <laughs> <laughs> so that we don't lose stuff again. But I've had my timer on three minutes because I have to wash. I just got my nose pierced. I just have to I have to wash my nose piercing for oh. three minutes every day. I put it in like a salt watery bathy thing. How's it feeling? Better. Good. The first two weeks, I kind of was like, it's like. <laughs> no it hurts for a while and then i was like this week it finally has been like oh okay good maybe this will heal that's good <laughs> but they're like oh by the way this is gonna take three months for to heal it's usually two but because of masks and stuff yeah because it's being more irritated yeah yeah and it's definitely not fun to wear a mask with my nose ring that doesn't, I, that doesn't sound like fun i mean maybe it's like if it was a stud it might be better but it's a hoop so mm. Either way, it's pulling on it. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. <laughs> so now, I, I, I mean, everybody at my work is vaccinated now, so I don't have to wear a mask at work anymore. <laughs> so that's the only place I was, I mean, other than the store. And mm-hmm. I'll wear it. I'll, I, I'm sorry. Walmart, I'm not going to stop wearing a mask. <laughs> people get too close to you. People have, have absolutely no form of boundaries at Walmart. <laughs> That's what's nice about having a cart sometimes because, like, you're automatically six feet. I was going to say, that's, like, automatically a three-foot radius. And then if you stick your arms out, you get a good four or five feet. Yeah. So it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I can Let do Let me just this. swing my cart in circles. Nobody come near me. This is my <laughs> bubble. <laughs> do not enter it. And they'd be like, well, okay, freak. <laughs> Fucking psycho. <laughs> okay. Like, so, uh, Macy. <laughs> what? Are we drinking today? I'm nervous about this one. <laughs> I think that's why we saved it till last, but I think we should have done them first. Probably. <laughs> We're on our, sorry guys, they don't understand this reference. We bought a lot of wines. If you didn't know, we had a haul and we picked a lot of them. But if you don't know this, a lot of spooky wines are red ones. A lot of them. Like and dry red wines. 90% of them. And we are not good dry red wine drinkers no we are not <laughs> um so i'm a little ner- nervous about this one it's called carnivore cabernet sauvignon um 
meat was made for carnivore. So I think you're supposed to pair it with meat, which we're not doing. Yeah, no. But okay. Our boldly <laughs> blended Cabernet is an exceptional complement to your favorite red meat, layered with hints of rich blackberry, luscious caramel, and smooth toasted oak. Indulge your primal side with carnivore. Yes, I've been able to smell it. I've been... So we, we haven't we haven't taken our first sips. Yeah, so we're we're trying to save our first sips for during recording, <laughs> and I, but I've been holding it like right here, and I can smell it. I put it up to my lips like three times, I and I was like, "Go away!" Because <laughs> <laughs> like you shouted like four times and kept putting the wine glass down. It just made me laugh. <laughs> I can't help it. I just when there's wine near me, I'm like, "Yay!" <laughs> like, right? It's just like you just have to. You have to. I have to hold it in my hands. So all let's, right. Let's take let's our try this. Take oh our sip. Not as bad as I thought. Not as bad as I thought. As I, as I thought. <laughs> God, how what? many? How many? Percent <laughs> one one sip, and I'm slurring words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not as bad as I thought, but it's definitely not one of my favorites. Mm-mm. It doesn't say how much alcohol is in this. Does it really? Not that's. Scary. I feel like it should. I feel like it has to. <laughs> is this from California? California, man. <laughs> they're yeah. Like, they're like, eh, you don't need to know. Oh, no, I don't. I mean, I don't see it. Cardiblewine.com. There's a phone number. It's a government warning. We should call them and ask. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I guess it's still what? They're like three hours behind us? Yeah. So... Still, like, still their work day. Still their afternoon time. <laughs> they can answer our questions. No, okay. So I think I'd give this a solid. Out of five? I'd say a three. Yeah. Six out of ten? Yeah. Okay. But we had a realization this week, didn't we, Nicole? <laughs> so, guys, we've mentioned many, many times. It has all the mouthfeels. My six, six out of ten mouthfeels. Yes. <laughs> My sister is a sommelier. Which, for those who haven't heard this part of the episodes, is my is sommelier is a mastery of wine. Mm-hmm. So basically, she has gone to school and literally has a degree in wine. Uh, can I do that? She can like sip wine and be like, oh yes, it was grown in this dirt on this side of the hill with the sun facing this way at this time of year in this location. And they literally like it's amazing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like April Ludgate at that sommelier thing where she's just like. Blood. <laughs> Blood. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally remembered to text my sister because we have been using the word mouthfeels ever since it appealed. Appear appealed. <laughs> Where did it appear first? Appeared. It was the Cali Rose. The oh Snoop, yeah, 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 yeah. It was the 19 Crimes. The Snoop Cali Rose said mouthfeels on the back, and the word made us it made us laugh so hard we just kept using it. And, and then, then now it's a part of our episodes. Now <laughs> it's become a part of our episodes, and we waited until we made it a part of the episodes to actually find out what it means. <laughs> <laughs> or to understand so, what it means because i think we just misunderstood the meaning we did okay so <laughs> mouth feel okay it's actually not mouth feels it's feel There's i know no but S. we've changed it mouth feels is more fun <laughs> i'm leaving the s <laughs> somebody can fight me <laughs> um, <Boing>. so <laughs> mouth feel is actually a term in 
the wine world. This like is like because I, I texted my sister and I was like, look, like we've been using this word. Can you like, is this actually like a wine term? And she was like, yeah, I was like straight from your textbook. You had to learn this word to become a Somali. And she was like, yep. And she said that mouthfeel is it refers to the texture so she, and this is her direct words from the text message, because <laughs> otherwise I would not have any idea how to describe this. She said, like, champagne and sparkling wine has texture because of bubbles. Red Bordeaux can be silky on the palate. Grenache, oh God, Grenache Blanc <laughs> and Vermentino. Oh, God, I just slaughtered both of those. She's so <laughs> going to hit me. Grenache Blanc and Vermentino can be dimensional. Don't know what that means. And cabs, Syrahs, and cab francs can be chewy or robust. So, like, it literally has to do with the texture of the wine and how it feels in your mouth. That's but what, literally okay, what it's called. But what is feel. a robust mouthfeel? Well, that's the thing. It's like, I'm sorry. I, I don't, I, I would never taste wine. It feels wine. like liquid passing through my mouth. Over my tongue and down my throat. The bubble, That's what it feels the like. The bubbles I understand, but never in my life have I drank wine and gone, oh, yes, this is uh, this is very dimensional this in my mouth. This feels chewy to me. This is dimensional. What are there, like, pieces of shit <laughs> in there? It has eight sides. <laughs> like, what? what? This, this wine is a hexagon. Oh, God. I'm funny. <laughs> There's so many sommeliers out there that are ready to stab me. Um, That's fine. But yes. So this is my podcast. Fight me. I proceeded to tell her we were using it wrong and she laughed a lot at me. Did she really? <laughs> yes. And I told her, I was like, and we're a little too, too deep. So it's staying that way. And she That's was like, hey, at least you're trying. And I was like, cool. That's fine with me. <laughs> I think that this mouth feel in non-relation to the, all the mouth feels is it's pretty silky. I don't think it's chewy, but I think it might be robust. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? God, I really, really don't know. I just took another sip and my brain is like, how do you describe that? I'm sorry. If somebody says chewy wine, I picture like chunks of wine. Yeah, like what's in there to make it chewy? Right? <sighs> I don't chew my wine. Do you chew your wine? That's weird. <laughs> somebody in a wine tasting like taking this big sip of wine and then literally sitting there like they're chewing and being like and like biting down on the wine and being like ah yes my favorite chewy wine (laughs) there are chunks in there it just reminds me of this gilmore girls episode where like it's at the very end of the whole series where she she's like i have to go do a wine tasting with my mother tomorrow and her boyfriend at the time's like that sounds like fun right that sounds like a lot of fun and she's just like yeah but fancy people spit out the wine you don't drink it (laughs) she's like it's not as fun because you're not drinking it i'm like i've never gone to a wine tasting where they've told me to spit it back out me either never like never even been provided an extra cup and have had them be like you can spit it out if you want like that's that's i mean i feel like if you requested a spit bucket they would give you one probably but but I feel like it's the thing that most people don't do. People take buses on the Chautauqua wine trail so that they can get wasted. Yep. <laughs> I had my parents drive me around the Finger Lakes so I could get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. 
<laughs> Let's get into the episode. So, yeah, guys. What are we uh, talking about today, Nicole? Okay, so this is a widely known case. And I know. Now it that I know what it is. I'm has sad. been it has been brought up in recent years by Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. So this is a case that a lot of people actually tend to know about. Um, but it still it still gets me. And it got me real hard. I remember the first time I watched that episode. Um, I remember the first time I ever heard about it. Um, and that's why we drink covered it. Oh, really? And I didn't even remember. I was like, why do I remember listening to something about this? And I actually searched it. And, and that's why we drinks episode came up. And I was like, oh, that's why. Um, <laughs> but uh, I actually I did not re-listen because I didn't want to. No. I don't like listening to other people's podcasts for my own notes. Because I'm like, you worked hard on your notes and you like presented it the way you wanted to present it. I don't want to steal your presentation. That yeah, makes any sense. I, I, no, I do that. <laughs> I'm like, I like I do to the do the same thing. I like to do my own research. You still listen to, to other true crime podcasts, though. Sometimes I have a hard time because I don't want to be influenced. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's, so, well, in like, because I, mean, I already say a lot of sh- morbid shit. Yeah. And I, like, I don't want to say that on our podcast because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I, but I am a big fan of theirs. <laughs> say, if if we, I listen to it more, I'm going to say it more. I say, if I ever say or do anything that morbid and or and that's why we drink has ever said or done, it's literally just because I'm a fan and You're I can't huge stop fans. myself. <laughs> huge fan. <laughs> I've seen and that's why we drink live. Like. <sighs> I was supposed to see morbid there, before the, COVID. And that's why we drink just rescheduled their tour that i had tickets to that i sold did what really yep and i had front row against the stage vip tickets and i sold them because i like didn't think things were going to come back around for like three years and they just rescheduled the whole tour for next year and i was like god damn it you and i can go now but it's okay I'm, I, I know that the person I sold them to, I talked to her a, a bunch. So she was like, I'm totally going to enjoy this. This is so great. Thank you so much. Blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I know at least somebody's going to go and have a good time. I had good seats to see Morbid too. They were coming to like a comedy club mm-hmm. and there were like a bunch of like, it was like a tables. You would yeah. see the tables. That's exactly and where I was. I was sitting at like a second row table. Tyler mm-hmm. bought me the tickets and he bought them for me for like Valentine's Day or something like that. Oh. I was so excited. And it did get, end up getting canceled because it was like right in the middle of COVID. And yeah. As far as I know, they haven't rescheduled their tour. No, I know no, they, I don't think they, they actually canceled all of their tours so that people could get their money back. Yeah. That's um, really nice of them. But yeah. I don't know if they ever come around here, I'll jump on those tickets because I Fuck would yeah. love to see Morbid Live. I would love that. That would be amazing. If I could get my picture taken with <clears throat> Ash, I would die oh a happy person. I just want Ash's fashion sense and her She's confidence. She's so beautiful. And Elena's so beautiful too. <laughs> I don't know how she does all that work. <laughs> oh my god! I while know. having like three she children, has three and children, all very young, job. is a freaking autopsy technician, and is just and does a podcast that is doing extremely does, like, well. An amazing podcast. I'm just like my brain literally couldn't handle that. Can I be that. like? Can I have mommy vibes like that one day, please? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry for that little bit of a tangent. <laughs> we get excited about other podcasts because they're kind of what inspired us. So. Yes. <laughs> but show. Back around, like I said, this case became very popular because of the new Unsolved, Unsolved Mysteries, Mysteries that are on Netflix. It was released in the first season that they put out. Mm-hmm. This is the mysterious death of Ray Rivera. I don't like this. I remember watching this because we it came out when we first moved here. Yep. And 
I watched it and I was pissed. Mm-hmm. I remember being so angry and being like, this case is so <sighs> confusing. So, so frustrating, confusing and so frustrating. And oh, we'll get into it. So <laughs> I was like, I don't know anything about this episode because I couldn't remember this dude's name. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, and yeah, I was you like, do. you do. And she was like, I do. And I was like, yep. So <laughs> when researching Ray, there isn't actually a lot about his early life. Okay. There's a little bit known about like his high school, like high school to college, but there's not too much. Like I couldn't find where he was born. Like I didn't find his birthday. Hmm, and like a lot of times when you go to search about the victims, you find like their birthday and where they're from. And I had that with Brian Schaefer though. I had some trouble finding stuff I on his early. That. Like it was like from college on, there was a ton of stuff, mm-hmm. but like right before that, yeah. Same, like Lisa Ow too, same thing. Yeah. So as far as I gathered growing up, he had a very family-oriented family. His okay. dad was in the military, and so he was a military brat. Him and his brother and his mother, they moved around a lot. Um, so he never really had a lot of close friends growing up, and his okay. family was like absolutely everything to him. Aww. Um, uh, when they finally settled... Um, you know, Ray was big into sports. He played on the water polo team. They said awesome. he was absolutely hilarious. He had a really good sense of humor. Um, and he actually grew up and he was an aspiring filmmaker and screenplay writer. Yes. Yes. Um, I do remember that. So at the time when this happened, he was 32 years old. Um, him and his fiance, Allison, ha- were actually living out in L.A. And this was so he could chase his dreams of working in the film industry and unfortunately things were really not going well it's extremely difficult to break into that that scene yeah um so back home in um baltimore maryland he had a friend named porter stansbury porter stansbury had an investment company and it was called stansbury and associates and uh, porter had offered many times for ray to come work with him Okay. Um, he really just wanted his best friend. They had known each other since high school. Um, they went to prom together. Like they were on the water polo, water polo team together. They did everything together. They okay. were very close knit from a very young age. Okay. Um, and so he tried. He was trying to get his friend to come work for him, and you know, money became kind of tight because, like I said, things weren't going well. So him and Allison, his fiance, made a deal. And they were like, okay, we'll move to Baltimore and we'll spend two years there. And what we're going to do is we're going to work, we're going to save up money, and then we'll, you know, we'll go back to California and you can continue to chase your filmmaking dreams. But for right now, we need to kind of take a step back and save a little bit. Mm -hmm. So they packed up everything and they moved across country. Um, And they were extremely nervous about this move. They had no friends outside of Porter. They didn't really know anybody. They were just really nervous about settling in this new area. Um, and this was completely new <coughs> area to him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> so, he moves back to uh, Baltimore, and they end up actually settling really quickly. They found themselves much happier than they imagined. Oh, good. Um, they found a really nice house. They made really nice friends. And they just had a lot of people around them that were 
good people and they just kind of found their place relatively quick and oh, so yeah um, that's things, what you hope for exactly things went a lot better than they expected um and they moved there in 2004 and then um in november of 2005 um allison and ray actually went and got married in puerto rico where oh. ray's family is from he was very like I said, home oriented. His family is from Puerto Rico, so yeah. he I remember they showed like videos and stuff. From they the have in the, if, do- in the yeah. If you watch thing. the this episode of Unsolved Mysteries, um, it's called. I think it's. I wrote it down at the bottom. <laughs> this is not a fucking tablet, Nicole. <laughs> Y'all, okay. I just like switched from a tablet to a laptop, and I literally just tried to touch my screen like that was going to do something. It's well, called... sometimes it does. <laughs> not, not on this one. Not on that one, though. <laughs> so it's called Mystery on the Rooftop. And it was the very first episode. No, it wasn't. It was for me. It wasn't for me. Oh. Remember, they shuffle stuff. That's right. I saw the French one first. That's right. I remember that because you were like, why is this in French? (laughs) I was like, I can't clean my house to this. (laughs) I have to actually sit and read subtitles, damn it. (laughs) Um, Oh, that would have been a good one to cover. Yeah. Good thing there are more months of this to come. Um, So... Yeah, if you watch if you watch the Unsolved Mysteries, they do they have um, video from his wedding, and it's absolutely beautiful. She looks amazing. He looks amazing. They look so happy. The family looks amazing, and uh, they just were so in love, and everything was going so well. And And she's like still looking for him, isn't or like looking for answers. Yeah, about this, she is. Um, so not looking for him. He died. Uh, yeah <laughs> looking for answers <laughs> looking for answers um so all of this begins about six months after they get married okay um it is may 16th of 2006 the pair wake up in the morning and allison has to get ready to go out of town on a business trip uh-huh. uh, she is going to richmond virginia for a couple days for her job um, so they get up together. Um, Ray made her breakfast. She packed and got ready. He carried her suitcase to the car, um, helped her pack everything up. They said their goodbyes and Allison left. Sweet baby. And it's really, really sad because they say, she says in the Unsolved Mysteries, she was like, she said, when she said goodbye, she said, I love you so much. And he said, he, instead of saying I love you back, he said, thank you for loving me so much. And I just like, I was like, don't cry. It's okay, don't cry. Don't cry. (laughs) (laughs) And they were just, they were just in that honeymoon phase of absolutely being in love. And they were just so happy. Yeah. And this just, this just hurts me, this whole case. So, like I said, they said their their goodbyes. Allison got in her car and drove. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And like I said, they were in Maryland, so she was just driving to Virginia. She was... It's pretty close. Yeah. So, um, at the time, um, a colleague of Allison's was actually staying in their house. Her name was Claudia. Okay. So, she was still there. She was sleeping in their guest room. um, And so, she's still there and Ray is still there. Later that day, Allison gets to her her hotel. She checked in and she called Ray. She wanted to just, they, she said they talked multiple times a day. They were always communicating. Um, and she just wanted to let him know, like, oh, I, you know, I got I'm to safe. the hotel okay. I'm checked yeah. in. How, you know, want to see how everything's going back home. So she calls Ray and his phone rings a bunch and then goes to voicemail. And she immediately said this was really strange because 
like I said, they talked multiple times a day, almost every day. This was not just like, you know, he was never had his phone on. They always talked. Mm -hmm. And this one time he did not answer. And she was like, this is kind of weird. Right. So she tried calling him again and still voicemail. So she calls Claudia. Mm -hmm. So Claudia answers and she asks Claudia, you know, hey, have you seen Ray? You know, I, I tried calling him. He's not picking up. Right. Just kind of kind of bizarre. Is he home? And she was like, well, actually, he's not here. Um, he got a phone call around 536 p.m. 5.32, 6 p.m., not 5.36. That would be oddly specific. Um, <laughs> between 5.30 and 6 p.m. And she could hear him t- in his office take the call. And then she heard, her, heard him exclaim, oh, shit, before running down the stairs and out the front door. Okay. She said he ran out the front door, came back moments later really quickly, went out the door again, got in the car, and sped off. Hmm. Um, this immediately concerned Allison. She was like, what? Yeah. Like- That's bizarre. Like, and she, um, actually had said that at the time Ray had been working on a very large and important project for Stansbury and Associates. Mm-hmm. Um, but mainly he'd been working from home. So she, so she said, you know, the only reason he would have ever had to go into the office was if something really major had happened and right, something right. like bad or like he had to go fix something and he had to be there in person. Mm-hmm. Normally he was home. Okay. Um, so her calls kept going to voicemail, but she tried not to worry herself and just kind of was like, he's dealing with something big. He's going to call me. Mm-hmm. She goes to bed. She gets up the next day and she has not heard from Ray still. So this is when she receives a call from Claudia. And Claudia says that Ray never came home last night. So after exclaiming, oh shit, running out the door and speeding off, Ray has not come home. Uh, So Allison's first instinct is actually to call Ray's family, who at the time is living down in Florida. Okay. Um, Ray's mother and his brother Angel... Um, immediately got on a flight and came to Baltimore. Like, almost immediately. Talk about a freaking family. I mean, I would. <laughs> like, and, and in Unsolved Mysteries, Angel says, like, this was just so uncharacteristic of him of that him. I knew something was wrong. He doesn't go anywhere without telling somebody, especially his wife, who he just married. Like, they're happily in love. Like, he would not just leave without a note, without a text, without something. Right, right. So they got on a flight and they fly up to Baltimore. Um, and Allison actually drives home. She is like, I'm sorry, I need to go. Something's wrong. I need to go check on my husband. Okay. So she leaves Virginia and she heads home. She gets home and she said she basically busted through the front door. She ran all throughout the house there were lights on they found a half drunk soda can and a half eaten bag of chips open on the counter his Invisaligns were just like sitting on the counter next to the food there was lights on in the kitchen in the office and the bedroom she said he like wasn't like leaving yeah he had no intentions of leaving and And never coming back if he did he thought he was coming back relatively quickly right 
So, and just so you guys know, I had to Google what the fuck on the Invisalign was. What? Really? I Racist My brain was like, things. why can I not process what this is right now? And yeah, they're basically like retainers that you update every few months to help you like align your teeth. And you're supposed to wear them constantly unless you're eating. Yep. So, so that means he's in a giant hurry to not put them back he, in. He left so quickly that he didn't even think about that. So they actually opted not to call police at first because they were like, there, this, there's got to be an explanation. You know, he fell asleep at his desk in his office. He is somewhere. His cell phone is dead. Like something. This has got to be a mistake. Right. So... Um, at this point, Allison's family came in, more of Ray's family came in, and she actually, like, cleared out their dining room. And you can see videos of this. They used it as, like, their home base. And there's... Like headquarters, basically. Yeah. There's videos of this in the Unsolved Mysteries, and it says it's from a news archive. It doesn't say which news, but it just says news archive. And you see them, including Allison, all sitting around the table. They're all on the phone. They have maps. They have the missing flyers. And it's just so, it's heartbreaking because, like, they show Allison. She's on the phone trying to call hospitals, seeing if they've got, um, like, Jane Doe or John Doe, sorry. And, like, it's just, it's hard to watch. Yeah. It's really hard to watch. So, they're searching for him. And they're also searching for the SUV that Ray left in. Um, because, at this point, he left in that car and it has not been found. And this is just... The family, right? This Like, no police are involved at this point. Yeah. At this point, it is just family and And friends. And why has no one called Porter yet? Uh, He actually is there. Oh. Oh. So, Porter is actually helping at this point. And he is actually the one that was literally the next line I was getting to. Oh, my God. A really good question. Thank you. I was like, um, where's Porter? Porter actually helps them by putting out a small reward of $1,000 for any information about Ray's whereabouts. Okay. Um, so Ray is there. He's helping. They have coworkers from his office helping, family, friends. They had, you know, people that just kind of showed up and wanted to help. Nice. Okay. Um, Allison checked their credit cards, checked all the bank accounts, and nothing. Absolutely no activity whatsoever. Um, and at this point, his <sighs> cell phone is now going straight to voicemail. So it is officially dead. It's not even ringing anymore. Um, uh, So, sorry. (laughs) I like read that bullet earlier and meant to skip it and then (laughs) almost said it again and confused myself. Don't you love that? (laughs) I've done that to myself a million times. Well, because like I know this case so well that my notes are kind of just like a jumping off point right now. I like I just kind of need them to like know what to hit next and then I can keep going. And I like, so I said that and then read it and was like, wait a second, I'll just say that again. (laughs) Um, Excuse me. So it is now six days since Ray has disappeared. Mm -hmm. They are still driving around. They are looking for the car. They are looking for signs of Ray. They're asking locals. They're hanging flyers. They, um, They did call the media. They got a story going on the news. But at this point, police are still not involved. Okay. They are still trying to just run the search on their own. So, um, Allison's parents are driving around. And while they are talking, her mother looks out out the car window into a parking lot that they were passing and goes, oh my God, that's the car. And Allison's dad was like, no, it's not. 
And she was like, no, look, that's the car. Like, fucking pull over. So they pulled into the, they pulled into the parking lot. And lo and behold, it is the SUV. Oh, my God. So the SUV actually had a parking ticket on the windshield. This parking ticket was dated. So the ticket was dated May 17th, which is the day after Ray ran out of the house and has not, be s- not, has not been seen since. Mm, okay. um, they spoke with the parking attendant who worked the night of the 16th and came in the morning of the 17th. And he said that when he left the night of the 16th, that car was not there. So it had to have been parked sometime after his shift between when he left and in the morning. Okay. Because um, there, like, wasn't an overnight shift or anything? Yeah. Okay. So um, they searched the car. There was absolutely nothing in the car of any use. Fuck nothing. Like, <sighs> it's almost frustrating. And another heartbreaking thing is, like, Allison, in the documentary, they go back to this parking lot. I know. And she knows exactly which um, parking spot it's is because it's numbered. His par- parking spot number seven. And she says she remembers standing there in front of the SUV and just looking at all of the buildings around her and just thinking, why were you here? What were you doing that what brought you here? Like, right. And just trying and it's not by anything that it's not by his work. It's not by like. A sandwich shop they frequented. It's just like this random place, random part of Baltimore, and it's in the city, isn't it? Where they find his car, like in the city. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's in um Mount Vernon. Okay. Um, I did write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at this point, they're just so dumbfounded. They're like, "This does not make any sense." That's when I would have fucking called the police. Well, <laughs> almost there. Okay. So. They begin a search based off of where they found his car. Mm -hmm. And this is when even more people come forward. They've heard the story on the news and they just want to help. They're taking missing flyers into local businesses and just being like, have you seen this person? Please, anything you can do helps. Right. A few people that were helping out were co-workers from Stansbury and Associates. These co-workers actually decided this parking lot where they found his car is actually an extension of a parking garage. So there's outside, and then there's, like, a first floor, and then there's a parking garage, like, up to the left. Okay. So they actually went into the parking garage and walked up to the top, and they were kind of walking around and looking, and this is when they noticed something odd. This parking garage was directly next door to a hotel called the Belvedere Hotel. They are they are looking off the roof of the parking garage, and this is, it's I think it's either three or four three or four stories up yeah I think so, so they can see the hotel is 14 stories and then there's a part of it that extends off of the bottom hotel that is only a floor only a single floor and they can see this part they can see down onto part because that's like the ballroom right Isn't yeah it? or something like that it yeah. is um it is the old racquetball club that is no longer in use oh okay, okay. yes so they are looking around and they spot in the roof of this unused part of the hotel, there is a large hole. Like in the ceiling? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In the roof. And so they're like, okay, this is really That's bizarre. fucking weird. So 
they call police. And this is when police get involved. Oh, okay. I need more wine for this. <laughs> so they go over to the hotel with authorities. And authorities call the property manager. And, you know, they say from, they explain the situation and that from parking garage they can see this hole through the roof and they just want to check out the room make sure there's nothing wrong so the property manager explained to them that this is uh, this part of the hotel is not used anymore it's a, it was like they were getting ready to redo it it hadn't been used in years yeah, i remember that they said that they had closed it up because like they were going to do reservations or reservations <laughs> renovations yeah, right or something exactly like that. so nobody ever went in here this was like completely closed off there was absolutely no there was like nothing in it there was no reason for anybody to be over there um so police just you know said you know can we just yeah okay cool thanks for letting us know that but can we check (laughs) yes and we just have the property manager open the door we just want to double check so they go over and they get the property manager his name is gary shivers and he talks in the unsolved mysteries documentary he shivers (laughs) um this poor man is it's actually very sad so he opens the door and they are immediately hit with the smell of decay. <sighs> and the first thing they see is blood spatter on the wall and a body on the floor. And can you imagine, like, if they're closed, if this is all closed up and they're, nobody's using that, there probably is no air conditioning on in there uh-huh. or anything like that. So yep. that and it's body has it's been May. bacon in a hot room <laughs> yep. for, like, a while it's been six days since he went oh god so gary shivers and like i said this is really sad he actually says that he basically has ptsd from this he says that when he goes to open doors any door no matter where he is he gets like flashes of opening this door and seeing ray's body on the floor oh and that must be so traumatizing it right like i don't in in the state in which his body was found is was just bad. like it was bad bad um so the body was laying on the ground and the legs were pointed towards the door and above the body there is the hole that the co that these co-workers spotted from the roof of the parking, parking garage. garage um and there's sunlight streaming through it so like you can tell it is a large gaping hole it's a body sized um, hole which is by the way through a metal roof the roof was made of metal how fast how high uh-huh would he have had to have fallen especially through with a roof how damaged his body is I'll, and i'll get there in a second oh, so man. authorities then went up to that roof to take a look out from outside um and they found some extremely odd things they get to the roof they found the flip-flops that ray was wearing they are not really far from the hole but they're kind of scattered his left, the left flip-flop was broken. The strap on the inside of your left foot. So, like, does that make sense? The yeah, inside yeah, of your left like foot. Here. Yeah. It, they were just, like, regular flip-flops. Um, mm-hmm. Was broken out. Like, it was, like, ripped out of the sandal. Okay. Um, And the sandals had really bad scuff marks on the toes. That Allison, like, she shows, she has the flip-flops and she shows them in the Sunsolved Mystery. And she says, like, these scuff marks, like, like he was were not here. Ragged. Badly. So 
They find these over near the hole. They found his cell phone completely intact. Absolutely no scratches, cracks, or any form of marks. All they had to do was plug it in and it turned on. It was literally just dead. His glasses were found 100% intact, not like broken. neatly placed there, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and one of the investigators said that it looked staged. Like, it did not look like this is how things landed if he had fallen from a great height his, through this his roof. His fucking phone would have been crushed. The way his own body was crushed is just an indication of how his belongings, like, and the fact that, I mean, I guess your shoes could have fallen off. They were just flip-flops. But yeah. his glasses were, like, 100% intact, not a single crack anywhere, no scuffs. They Why were wasn't like, he wearing them? Why wasn't but you he think, fucking like, wearing even them? Even if they were in his pocket, even if they were hanging from the collar of his shirt or on his head, they would, they be would have been smashed. The glasses would have been smashed. I have smashed. literally broken a pair of glasses by taking a pair of, what well, pair of? A hoodie off my fucking head. Yeah. Like. It is not hard to break a pair of glasses. It's not hard to break a pair of glasses. And same, and, and granted, these were not iPhones. But oh, she, it's like a flippy thing. She it? actually shows this phone. It's actually not a flip phone. <gasps> it's like it's technology. It's and it's not a Nokia either. It's like a solid, like brick-looking phone, but it's thinner. Okay. And it, I'd say, looking at it in the video, it looked like it was maybe like half a cent, like half an inch, half an inch words, half an inch thick. Okay. It wasn't super thick, but it. It should have broken. It should have like that. It was like tiny. Yeah. It had like it had like a thicker part up top where you could tell the battery was. Yeah, yeah. And then it like slimmed out. It was really weird looking. I had never seen a phone like it before in my well, life. But we probably didn't like we know iPhones and stuff like that. I remember I was young when they were first coming out. I had a flip phone. <laughs> I had a flip phone for a long time. I did too. <laughs> and then I had that one that when you turned it to the one side, it was like the keyboard, and then you yeah. turned it to the other side, it was the phone. Um, but I, I mean, phones back then were weird. Mm -hmm. I had like, I had one that was basically like the early version of like the iPhone and it was like a touch and it was all one screen, but it was pressure based. I broke those so many times by <laughs> sitting on them because <laughs> those were pressure based, not heat based. I'm and I fucked them up. I'm trying but, to think of like, but like what a phone looked like. Cause when I was two, in 2006, I was I was in sixth grade. I was a freshman in high school. I, I didn't have a phone then. I, I had mean, that flip phone. I was going to say, I got a flip phone when I was in eighth grade. And it was like the free one that came with the plan because they had to get my sister a cell phone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and my yeah, sister yeah. was really mad that I got a cell phone earlier than she did. But it was like a brick. It was literally like a fucking weapon. Yeah. If, I, if I whipped that at somebody, it would have fucking hurt. Yeah, you would have <laughs> gotten a black eye. But like, and, and, but like you could tell, this was not... This wasn't a Nokia, but it wasn't. It wasn't a very sturdy-looking phone. But it but was. The main point is that it was not fucking it was not crushed. It was. You not would have think crushed. it would have been in his pocket. You or think something. it would have been bent? It would have been dented. It nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's terrifying. So, the body, like I mentioned, did end up being identified as Ray. <sighs> and was it like by DNA or something? Um. Yes, I believe so. Because he probably they, was unrecognizable. Well, they, it, they didn't really mention. Was um, he found like face down or face up? I believe face up. 
Um, huh. Okay. But they they actually did not mention how they identified him, but they knew it was Maybe teeth. They knew it was him before the family knew. Like they didn't have to come identify him. They knew it was him. So they okay. found out through either DNA or something. He, they might have gotten it. Might have just been. It might have just something. been obvious. I don't know. But I mean, probably. I mean, who knows? So according to the Emmy, Ray had many broken ribs. Both of his lungs were punctured. He had dozens of lacerations. Some of them were seven to nine inches long. He had um, a fractured skull. And the weirdest part was his broken legs. So his legs were broken so badly that the bone was protruding from the skin on both of his legs. Um, the weird part about this is the manner in which the legs broke. Um, so they didn't, I like, I couldn't find a better explanation of this. Okay. But they said that the, the manner in which his legs broke were in the opposite direction of how they would have expected his legs to have broken from the, like if he had hit the, the ground feet first. Okay. Um, and I like okay. So is the hole though? The hole is the hole like this, like like just like he. W- it looked like he either went head or foot first. Yes. Or is it like oblong, like his whole body went through it? Head or foot. Okay. They one of the investigators um in the documentary actually says that he said it the hole was basically big enough that I could barely climb through it, and it would like I would have had to like wiggle my way through it, and there's no way I would have come out of it without like a cut, like cuts. Okay. So it was just enough that like he went through that roof either feet or head first, like a like a pencil dive okay. into a okay. pool. Okay. And I'm. It seems like he went feet first. Yeah, because his head would be, his skull would be like. Yeah. His it, his, his head. He would not probably have a head. No, it would if probably he had gone in head be, first. Not to be gross, but smashed like a pumpkin. Yes, like badly. Which is why if I it be- went through a metal roof. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. <gasps> oh god, gross, gross, gross. So definitely his feet oh, would have gone have- through first. <sighs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I just <laughs> I'm having flashbacks to a story my dad told me about when he was um early on in the FBI. Oh, he had to get. He had to go to a scene, and they had been called because this couple had fallen through um, a railing of a balcony, and they had landed on top of each other, like one right on top of the other one, head like smashed into the other one, and the one who hit the pavement and got smashed by the other one, like pumpkin, just like. <gasps> yeah, I have a lot of stories like that that like I was told when I was like twelve. My dad really wanted to fuck me up. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that was that is a literal case. Not like he's well, listening case, right now, like, going, "Hey, accident scene that I actually like." My dad actually had to work. Um, oh yikes! Yeah, but so, that, that was so, what my so brain basically what they said was it was probably impossible for his head to have come through the ceiling first because it was not absolutely crushed. Yeah, it but, was fractured but not crushed, and then his but his but his shins, shins were not broken in a way that would have indicated he they, fell down on them. Well, that's the thing is, like, they were broken so severely that that kind of severe break would be caused by a fall. But the direction in which the it bones happened. broke is not accurate. And I, they did not say, I don't know which direction. They didn't say. And 
So I don't know if they like broke forward or backwards, but whatever way he hit the ground, the bones did not break the proper way. So do they think that maybe his legs were broken prior to him falling through the roof? Well. Oh, <laughs> Macy is a mind reader today. <laughs> so police quickly labeled Ray's death as suicide. What the fuck? Believing he jumped from the top of the Belvedere Hotel, which was 14 stories high. The medical examiner, on the other hand, ruled Ray's death inconclusive. And when you rule a death inconclusive, this basically is stating that you cannot say one way or, or the another other. That this was either suicide or murder. Or he the- left a fucking bag of half-eaten chips and soda at his house. He was not planning on leaving forever and never coming back. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like I know that, was- like, soda is not like, but, like, nothing, his, his credit card hasn't been used. Like, I mean, how do they rule it as suicide? Did, like, the, like, they had to have talked to the family and the family had to have told them everything. Like, this is how my house was when I came home. Oh, my God. I remember why this case frustrated me so much. Okay, sorry. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Allison says in the Unsolved Mysteries episode that when she went in to speak with the medical examiner, the medical examiner closed the door behind them and looked at her and said, I know what they're trying to do and we are not closing this case. And that is a direct quote from Allison. She said that the medical examiner did not elaborate on this statement, and she was very confused by it. But based on how the police were handling handling it, it kind of made sense. But thankfully, because she classified it inconclusive, they were forced to investigate. They had to. If the medical examiner list is inconclusive, they have to investigate. Okay. So the investigation very quickly showed signs that this was not a, not a suicide. suicide. It's so, and like this, this is the part that got me because this, I'm, you know me, I'm bad at math, but like <laughs> they had scientific reports done that literally said that this is impossible. So what the suicide theory is impossible. Yes. The, uh. So, okay, I'm going to try and create a picture in your brain so you okay. can see how this works. Um, the Belvedere ready? Hotel was almost U-shaped. So it was like like square U. Like two two sides. Two vertical sides and one horizontal side. Yes. Okay. The hole where Ray went through is directly above the U, like right in the middle. So you've got, like, if you drew a U on a piece of paper and then put a dot, like, above the U in the center, that's where the hole in the roof was. You would have had to, like, shot off there like that. They said that this hole was approximately 45 feet out from the wall. So horizontally, this hole was 45 feet from the the main part of the hotel. Not the two sides of the U, but the bottom. Okay. So for him to get there, he would have had to have been running at extreme speeds. And this was not a wide hotel. The roof was, A, covered in a bunch of stuff. There was fans up there. They have all the utility stuff on the roof. There is no real clear path without him having to have dodged something protruding from the roof. Okay. He was wearing flip-flops. 
Yeah. And while he was in good shape, they said that based on the the length of the roof and how far out the hole was, he would have had to have been running at 11 miles an hour. The average man runs at about 8 miles an hour. He would have had to have been full-blown sprinting. And there, there's no way because there was stuff all in the way. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing fucking flip-flops and it was supposedly nighttime. That doesn't make any fucking sense. So, and they tried to see if there was other angles that this could have come from. So, the tops of the U's had let, there was like a ledge on the 11th floor. Okay. But this ledge was not more than a foot wide. So you can't run. You definitely, you have to be extremely careful. There's things on it. Like there's like lights or something in the middle of it. So he would have been hurtling like over little lights and stuff. And on top of it, you cannot get to the ledge without going through an office, going through a condo or an apartment or one of the rooms. There is no direct access to that ledge from any of the hallways. Did they determine what height he would have had to have fallen from to to have the injuries he did? Not that I saw. Okay. Because that was my only thing. Because it seems like that whole... I mean, just knowing what I know about, like, if you drop a penny off of, like, the Empire State Building, it could kill somebody. It literally can go through somebody's skull. Yeah. So, but it feels like, yeah, if he fell from the parking garage, he would have died. But there, he wouldn't have gone straight through fucking a metal roof. That's the thing. He would have had to have, like, he fallen had... from an extreme height. They looked at the parking garage. That was their other angle. <sighs> the parking garage roof was only 20 feet above the roof, that single roof of the Belvedere. Yeah, so he would have fallen and, of course, and died. it was 20 feet out. So he would have had to... He would have had to have been, like, again, full-blown fucking sprinting. And there's still... It, there's, like, would, a little ledge, too. Me- he would have had to jump up he on the ledge and then, like... hurdle the fucking roof and make it out 20 feet. And there's no way, <sighs> even at that speed, he would not have gone through a metal roof. He probably would have broken maybe his legs, maybe an arm or two, depending on how he landed. Or died if he hit his head, for yeah. sure. But he would not have gone through the roof straight down like that. No. No. It was literally impossible. They, they, like, concluded that coming off of the parking garage was next to impossible. Not to make that hole. So, oh, and um, my favorite part of this whole thing, Ray had a debilitating fear of heights. So he would not have done that. Mm. Like, if you're going to commit suicide, you're not going to do the thing you were spear. Like, you fear That's the most. I'm sorry. Literally what Allison says in the Unsolved Mysteries. She, the Unsolved Mysteries episode. She said, look, you know, even if I was wrong and I missed the signs that my husband was suicidal, he was horrified of heights because we both were it was something that they had in common and she said there is no way that if he was going to commit suicide that that is the way he would have chosen to do it right because it just was not him he was terrified and she uh, there's actually pictures she goes up to the roof of that hotel and she like there's no there's no like railings or anything and she said it's absolutely horrifying being up there yeah. It's really scary because you're 14 stories up with nothing around you. I'm like trying to think because like, first of all, no, I would never <laughs> do that. I would never just, first of all, I would never just jump off a building. That's terrifying. 
And if you're terrified of heights, and I'm not terrified of heights, but if I was terrified of heights, I can't even imagine fucking doing that. I but like for, do I was not? gonna say like that last like I'd spend that last thirty seconds in pure, pure fucking terror, and then, and then you're falling, and, and then you're falling, falling, and falling, 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 and you see it coming, and then it's like there is that one percent chance that for some reason it just doesn't kill you right away, and you lay there suffering, and I don't ugh. think he lay. I I hope that Ray did not lay there suffering. I really hope. I really I hope really he died hope. on impact. Because my only thing, too, is if something other than the fall had happened to him, mm-hmm. there would have been no way that they could tell. Well, yeah, that's what they said. His, there was, bo- his body was probably so fucked up. They said that there was no signs of anything else. Like, like wasn't he hadn't been strangled or suffocated. He There was no gunshot wounds, no stab wounds. He just had all of the injuries from the fall. But here's the thing. What if somebody had knocked him unconscious and then he fell? And then you can't see that bruise he because he's already skull. bruised. And he got a fractured skull in the fall. So you wouldn't have even been able to see that in an autopsy. My only thought. You would have thought it was from the fucking fall. I think my only thought would be is, is could you get somebody to fall that straight when they're unconscious? Because he literally went through it straight. Like you throw a limp body off a roof. Is it going pencil diving through the roof below? No, it would make the oblong. It shape. would like flail everywhere because it's they're unconscious. They've got no control of their muscles. Huh. So investigators went on and started speaking with the hotel staff. No one saw Ray. And he wasn't on any footage or anything like that? That's another fun fact. That night, the cameras malfunctioned. There was no footage. They had absolutely nothing to turn over because their camera stopped working except the camera on the roof which was just completely disconnected (laughs) what a day yeah so not a single staff member saw them they went around they talked to guests no guests saw him and like you think this man if he had gone up to the roof of this hotel he entered the hotel went up 14 flights to the roof and i'm sorry what hotel just has a casual door to the roof that's not chained shut alarmed has eighteen thousand cameras on it is like behind 14 other locked doors like how would he have just casually strolled out to the roof his brother angel went to the hotel and actually attempted to do that to just walk up to the roof he could not do it. So somebody would have would have had to have had, had access. Somebody would have seen him. He would have triggered an alarm. He would have had to have access somewhere. And or had had someone with him that had access. Yes. So <sighs> they um sorry. Um <laughs> they uh, continued trying to find anything else that they cut on this and one thing that allison realized was that um the money clip that ray carried was not found it was not in the car it was not at home hmm. it wasn't on his person it wasn't on the roof it was nowhere and this money clip he like he used it every day it was his everyday money clip it was actually a family heirloom that allison had gifted to him when they got married so he wouldn't have just like he wouldn't have just like 
sold it, lost it. Like, and it wasn't at the house either. She she said that morning before she left, he had it. Okay. She remembered seeing him with it. Okay. But since he went missing, it has not been found. And to this day, it has not been found. They do not know where this money clip went. That's scary. Which, again, I'm sorry. This man has supposedly committed suicide, and his money clip is magically missing. That doesn't seem right. I don't seem right. And, like, you think, okay, somebody stumbles across it. They're going to try and use one of the cards. There would have been a freaking flag on one of the cards. You think... But his cards has somebody been used, his tried. money hasn't been taken. Exactly. Nothing. I mean, unless you're using the cash. But even still, it's like, you think at some point, like, his li- some kid would have stolen his license to use as a fake ID. So right, right. Like, something. Yeah, and there's nothing. And it's literally nowhere. <sighs> so... This is frustrating. One of the biggest problems that his family had was the fact that Ray, for all intents and purposes, was happy. Yeah, he just got married like six months ago. What do you have to be suicidal about? They were newlyweds. He had a good job with good income. He had a great home. There was absolutely no issues with money. They were, um, they, at that point, had already been in Baltimore for almost the two years. They were already planning their move back to L.A. They had um, talked about children, having kids. Yeah. That doesn't really seem like somebody who would just up and commit suicide, does it? Yeah, this doesn't seem like somebody who was not planning on having a future. And what he, his family said that whenever they spoke, he like he was always talking about future plans. He was always happy. You know, sometimes he got a little bit sad because he hadn't broken into the film world the way he wanted to. But otherwise, his life was going very well and he almost never complained. Like there was just no negativity for right. him to express anywhere. Right. Um, before his disappearance, though, Allison said that Ray had been acting a little strange. She said that um, he had, um, they had gone to visit LA and they were planning their move back and they came back. And when they came back, she said that Ray kind of started being almost a little bit paranoid. She said um, he like didn't want her to go anywhere alone. Um, One morning he like refused to let her go out for a jog by herself so he went with her to like a local track and while she was running um an unidentified man like approached the track and ray freaked out and was like really really scared and really concerned and nothing happened the guy like came and went and they were fine but she said it like made him really really paranoid and um she said that this was just like really uncharacteristic of him like he had never been like this before yeah and um she actually mentioned that one night their security alarm went off and she said that ray leapt out of the bed and ran downstairs and grabbed a really big baseball bat and she said like the fear that was in his eyes was something that she had never seen before like she said like she she followed him down the stairs not like after he ran down the stairs and he looked horrified and the police came out and they couldn't find anything wrong with any of the sensors on the doors of the windows they were like it was probably a squirrel or some kind of animal Malfunction or something yeah, yeah. something set it off 
So they went back to bed. Everything was fine. It was the next day. Or I'm sorry, the next night. And the alarm went off again around the same time. Uh. This time, Allison went downstairs just to kind of look around. And she found one of the windows had the screen removed. And it looked like somebody had been trying to jimmy open the window. Um, but police couldn't really do anything. They didn't have cameras. They just had the alarm. So nothing ever came of it. That was the last time that happened. But she said it, like, terrified him inside and out. Like, this, the, this incident, these two incidents scared him, like, shitless. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, that would scare me shitless. Right. <laughs> um... So, one thing um, I did, I read an article that talked about a podcast that had covered this. Oh, So, I did not listen to this podcast, but I read an article that, that talked, talked about, about their, this, their coverage of this. Okay. <laughs> um, this podcast is called You Can't Make This Up. Um, and they actually talked with the creator of Unsolved Mysteries. And... Huh. Um, his name is Terry Dunn Muir. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Um, okay. And Terry told the podcast that there was actually a piece of information that he learned after the, sh- the episode had already been put together. Huh. So it wasn't actually released in the episode. But he said that um, all of Ray's belongings obviously were at the police station. They had been, you know, gathered as evidence. Um, so like his, you know, cell phone, his laptop, his yeah. journals, he liked to scribble notes. He had lots of notepads because he just like when he'd get an idea, he's one of those people yeah. that like would pull out a pad, jot things down. Um, they, Allison had actually gone to pick up his belongings. And when she went to pick up his belongings, one of the officers actually mentioned to Allison that they had received multiple phone calls over the last week or so from an unidentified person who kept asking about Ray's laptop. They said um, that they repeatedly asked if they could come pick it up and if it was, like, ready to be released from evidence, and they said no, and this person just, like, hung up. And they didn't trace the number or anything? I I don't even know. They, like, didn't say, it didn't say anything more about it. This, like I said, it was, like, mentioned in a podcast that I didn't listen to, so I don't know if anything else was said. But as far as I can tell from the article, it didn't seem like he said anything else because you'd think that would have been important if they had, like, traced the number and found somebody or something. Right, 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 right. But Allison was really freaked out by this. She was like, nobody would be calling about this. Like, I'm the one that's supposed to come get it. None of his family has called about it. Like, that's really bizarre. Um, so a little while later is when they come across the weirdest piece of evidence in this case. Oh my God. Okay. I'm ready. And this, I have my own personal theory on this after reading so many articles about it. Okay. Because for some reason, there's a lot of articles about this one specific piece of evidence. Okay. So Allison was going through their house and ray had a computer and it was like a desktop computer the tower you know like the old computers yeah, have yeah, the yeah. tower so behind the tower she found a tiny piece of paper folded very small and taped to the back of it this paper was only seven inches long and had been folded many many times um the font on the piece of paper had been shrunk down to like 
ungodly small sizes. It was like like point five font. It was very small. You and can't read that. It was it was like just readable, and it was you. The thing that drove me nuts is you cannot get a full transcript of what this note says. There's certain they like have given. It was you, typed out. It wasn't like written. It was typed out. Okay. They've given you certain blurbs like that have come from it, and they've told you overall what it says, but you cannot find a full full transcript. Huh. Um, so she brought it to authorities right away, and she knew that it had come from right before he went missing because there was still scraps of paper from like he had like cut it out. It was like you could tell it was they. I have pictures of it. You'll see it. Um, okay. And it's it's long. It's like seven, like I said, it's seven inches long. But you can tell he like cut around the words. So he like cut it out of the piece of paper it was on, and uh, the scraps were still in the trash can. So it had been recently. So it had been Bef- very like, recent, like right, right before, before he disappeared. Uh, okay. um, the note. <laughs> um, I will read you the parts that I could find from it. Okay. Um, it began and ended with a quote from the Freemasons. Huh. Um come to find out that the day of his disappearance Ray had actually reached out to a local chapter of the Freemasons and inquired about joining um he had also recently been buying several buying books about the Freemasons including Freemasons for dummies okay <laughs> um the Mozart was in the Freemasons was he really yeah <laughs> things you know I did not know that <laughs> <laughs> so the member of the Freemasons who actually spoke with Ray said it was a really normal conversation he kind of just inquired about what it takes to join and that was that there was really nothing that flagged him as like this i mean this isn't like the illuminati or some shit it's the freemasons everybody knows what the freemasons are exactly i mean i would hope you know what the freemasons are (laughs) and when he and they did show this member the the note and he was very confused by it too he said it didn't really make a lot of sense so the note began Brothers and sisters, right now, around the world, volcanoes are erupting. What an awesome sight. Whom virtue unites, death will not separate. And that line, whom virtue unites, death will not separate, is the Freemason line. Okay. Um, so other parts of the note said, um, I'd like to welcome those who accepted our invitations for membership during the game. We could not have done it without you. Another quote said, I took on the endeavor to find the truth but not for its own sake. In accepting this quest for the truth, I hoped to make myself, with the help of others, into a man worthy and ready to receive it. Another quote. Members of the council, I'm sorry, members of the council, please note that I will lend careful concentration to the traditional responsibilities. In light of those proceedings, I will satisfy the standard request of this council with the appropriate time. (laughs) It's like, it like doesn't make sense. Um, well, especially when you don't have the whole full fucking thing. Well, what they said is the note goes on. And at one point it actually has a page, a page. It has like a point that is a list of people that Ray knew. And what Allison said was really odd about this list was that it like, it was like her and some of their really close friends, some family, but it also left out a lot of really significant people in Ray's life. So it was just such an odd list. This list, it it came with a quote that said, he wishes each person could be five years younger. What? The quote said, along with myself, 
these there's a typo there sorry (laughs) along with myself these players should be made five years younger by the council and it was this huge list at the very bottom it said porter stansbury and then in like brackets it said if he already hasn't done so himself I'm he so confused. then went on at one point he lists movies and books and music that like and this he, is all on a seven inch piece of paper it's a very small font it's like little paragraphs oh it's really really strange and like they have the note like compared on a ruler and it's really weird to look at really? um so and then he like i said he goes on he lists movies and books and music that he found really inspiring um and then he also referenced like a lot of big name directors like he talked about M. Night Shyamalan Stanley Kubrick he like it was just really bizarre it was like almost nonsense huh like but it all (sighs) let me read you this last part so the note ends and it says that was a well-played game congratulations to all who participated but it was time to wake up so here I am I stand before you, a man who understands the purpose and value of our secrets. That's why I cherish them as secrets. Life is a test to see if you can control your spirit. Take care and enjoy the festivities. Is he doing some fucking weird test for the Masons? That's, well, that's the thing is like, and the Freemasons said like, this isn't us. Like this made no sense to us. I personally think he had found a topic that he wanted to write about. And I think he had some kind of idea for a movie. He lists a lot of movies. He listed like Lord of the Rings. He listed National Treasure. Um, National Treasure? Yeah. He <laughs> he listed like Signs. Um, shit. There's like a huge, there's a huge list of movies and a lot of them kind of had to do with like the Freemasons or like cults or aliens or like the supernatural, like they had like the Sixth Sense was on there. Um, I wish I could remember a few other ones. Well, if he said he liked M. Night Shyamalan, I'm not surprised. Yeah. So there was just, I, to me, it seems like. Maybe, maybe he got he, knee deep in some research that he wasn't prepared. And I think maybe he, for? and cause uh, I mean, personally, and I think this just, this is why I process it this way. That's how my brain works. I think of something and I'm like, this would sound awesome. And I will just write it. And I have like, I have documents that are like full of things that I want to put into writing in a place. Like I have stories going that I'm like, this would sound really good, but I'm not there yet. So I have like a document of just quotes. Right. And so my thing is, I think he might have started to think of a concept and it sounded like, um, it sounds like he's almost got like this weird, not maybe not really, maybe a cult, but a Freemason like group that people are joining and they have to play this game. Yeah. He said the game and I was like, yeah. that's weird. And it, so- it sounds like there's like this trial he has, to, you have to go through and you have to like make it and they're celebrating that they've all made it. And he's, like, asking for people to live longer. And, like, it, to me, it almost sounds, like, to me, it sounds like a fiction like a, movie. Like, like a ritual or something. Yeah. Where if you complete the ritual, the people on your list will be five years younger. Something like that. It's, yeah, it sounds like, huh. It sounds like research to me. That's just me. 
so like I said, the full the full note was not released, but you can see images of it. It's kind of hard to decipher. It's almost blurry. Um, so you can't really make Those out. Those fuckers. You can't really make out what it Take a clear picture. Right? I really want to know what it says. <laughs> I really, I want to be able to read the whole thing and like in the order in which it's in. Because it might make, make it more might. sense if it's in order. So they, so like I said, she found this called police, handed it over. The police were so confused by this note that they actually brought in the FBI to help them. Huh. They sent this note off to the FBI to examine it. Um, the FBI examined it and actually agreed that this was not really a suicide note, but it was definitely weird. For sure. Yeah. So, like, it clearly, it like like I said, it wasn't suicide. wasn't a suicide note, but... Who fucking folds up their suicide note and tapes it to the back of the tower of their computer. Well, that's like... I'm sorry. That's my thing is, like, even if it was research, why would it be there? Why would... Like, unless you were afraid somebody was going to steal it. So, like, you typed it, printed it, and didn't save it or something. But even still, I don't know. That's bizarre to me. There's... Maybe he didn't want it on his computer. Because somebody's calling, asking for his computer. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I would do, though? You don't save that shit on your, on your computer. You do an untitled document. And then when you print it, you print it, right? But then when you go to close it, you yep. don't save don't it. Don't save it. Yep. Which is what I'm assuming he fucking did. It's what it sounds like. Which sounds because I, I as far as I know, I don't think they found it on the computer. They would have mentioned. Yeah, they found this if they found like a draft oh, of like a document. We, we found it. Yeah, we found a draft of the note on the computer. Like it was not. It was not mentioned. So I don't think they did. Okay. Um. Shit. So. They, they, like I mentioned, they believe the interest in the Freemasons might have been for research purposes. Um. And even his brother agrees that while the note is odd, he actually doesn't really think it has a lot to do with his death. Okay. Um, now, the other big piece of information that I saved this for last because Unsolved Mysteries saved this for last and I was screaming at my TV, what about the call? The phone call he receives that causes him to scream, oh shit, and run out the front door. I remember this. So, this is what made me mad. Yes. <laughs> this. And this is why they say this for last, because this is fucked. Um, I, it literally, like, fucks you. You're you're just, like, sitting there, and you're like, do-do-do, okay, da da yeah, this. But and why? then all of a sudden, this information comes up, and you're like, what? What? So, okay. Like I said, this is the phone call Ray received right before he ran out the door and was never seen again. Police traced this call. This call, it was traced back to none other than Stansbury and Associates. Mm -hmm. Problem was, based on the way their phone system was set up, they couldn't tell who it was to. They couldn't tell from. who made from. the call. Because it, I, they explained it, but it was technology. It's like routing. Just, yeah. It's like a routing thing. Because um, they all have their own extensions. Mm -hmm. It was impossible for them to narrow down. They could say, yes, it came from here. Unless but he we had don't typed know whose in, extension. Unless he had typed in the extension, they wouldn't have known who it exactly. was from. It would have just come from the work number. So, um, 
at this point. Oh, sorry. Thing. Sorry. Because you don't, when those numbers, I kind of know a little bit about this. When those numbers, when you call out, yeah. because you, it's the same number. Because you don't need an extension to call out. Mm-hmm. You only need an extension to call in. Exactly. So that's probably why they couldn't detect the, the extension. Because you don't need an extension to call from the number. You just need it to get to the person you want to speak to. That would make sense. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, oh yeah, I know a little bit about this. <laughs> So they traced this to Stansbury and they kind of started, we're like, okay, that's a little weird. So they turned their attention. And Porter never mentioned this and nobody, none of his coworkers never mentioned this. And mm-hmm. well, uh, immediately after the police turned to look at Stansbury and associates, Porter put a gag order on the entirety of the company. Nobody was allowed to speak with any form of authorities. They weren't allowed to speak with media. They could not comment on this case without going through company attorneys. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. As you remember, (laughs) Porter is the one that came in in the beginning. He he helped them put up the $1,000 reward. He was helping search for them. Now all of a sudden, they're like, well, this call that he received came from your office. Came from your office. We want to know who made the call. Gag order. Immediately. And not even Porter himself would talk with the police. And he owns the company. Yes. This is his company. So, (sighs) I literally wrote in my notes, in all caps, this is hella sus, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I write stuff like that all the time. Like, uh, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Oops. I just dropped my phone. Throwing shit. Um, So... (laughs) In regards to Ray's death, Porter would not speak with authorities, um, and he just, like, stopped helping altogether. Um, that is hella sauce! Right? So, a year prior to Ray's employment at Stansbury & Associates, they had actually gotten in a lot of legal trouble. They were um, sued by the SEC by um, for offering bad financial advice. They tried to claim that they had a right to, you know, offer um, all kinds of advice because that's what they talked about, stocks and investments. And they had um, mentioned, they talked about a stock that they said was going to bounce back and it was going to become really big. And they got all these people into invested in it and then the stock flopped. And so a lot of people lost a lot of money. And they were like, they tried to claim like, okay, well, we have the right to offer this, you know, I mean, free advice. Speech, technically. But the SEC came back and said, but this is fraud. They they think that they did it on purpose. Really? Yeah. So that they'd make more money? Oh, that's shitty. So um, they were taken to court and they ended up receiving a $1.5 million fine. Shit. For this, for this bad advice. Shit. Um, now, after the Unsolved Mysteries episode came out, Porter did do an interview with the Baltimore Sun. Of course he, he did. claimed to be, quote, shocked and hurt by how much the episode pointed fingers at him. He didn't understand why the accusations were c- coming at him. Um, he said, and I quote, the reason I've never commented about Ray's death publicly first and foremost is because I never thought there was any mystery about why or how he died. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, the way he died was fucking weird. What do you mean there's no mystery about why or how he died? Cover up. What you, what you know, honey? What you know? That sounds like a massive cover up to me because they first wanted to like to say it was suicide, right? Mm-hmm. Did somebody go up to them, grease their little palms, say say this is suicide? That's fucking sus. So he went on to say, it's completely untrue. I did everything I could to help. It's horrific. You can't even imagine what it's like to tell people I had nothing to do with my friend's death. Except um, you put an entire gag order on your company when your company was, phone was the one that was the last that called him. Right. Mm. And how did they not fucking figure that out before? <laughs> it would have been in his phone. And you just plugged it in and it was turned on. I don't know. I mean, well, you said you waited to say that last because that's what. Yeah. Okay. So we don't know exactly when they found that. Yeah, we don't. But (laughs) we don't. Can't completely blame that. (laughs) We don't know at what point this information came up. But um, if if you have nothing to hide. And you don't have anything to hide. And you don't think it was bad. Why would you want to put a gag order on your company? Why would you not want to help police? This is your friend. Your friend that you went to prom with. You were played sports with. You have known since you were a teenager. And you just gag ordered your whole company from helping police solve his death. Why? That to me is horrifyingly suspicious. And then you sit there and say like, oh, you can't believe how it feels to have someone say... Like, I, I, I had something to do with my friend's death. It seems like you do. It seems so like you do. otherwise, dude. If, say, if, if you have nothing to hide, show me you have nothing to hide. Because yeah. he has something to hide. Um, and he, he said that um, he has been questioned by everybody imaginable, from friends to strangers to even business partners, about his involvement. Good. Honestly, good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to get into business with somebody that might have committed a murder. Well, like, my thing is, okay, my company puts a gag order on me. I'm not allowed to tell. But, like, you, you'd imagine that this far down the line, it has been years, 15 years, you think either that person would have quit and went to police. You think that... I think they're fucking terrified of whoever this is. That's the thing is, I feel like they're either really scared, they have a reason to be scared, or... Well, look what happened to Ray. It was Porter. Himself? That called. And the gag order on the whole company was just to... Cover his tracks. Yeah. Yeah, because if he had nothing to hide, why would he hide that the company called? He could have been like, I didn't call him. I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. You can check this videotapes. So you can see who was here. You can yeah. check the call log. You can check whatever. Uh, he works with other people. Yeah. He, there's if a lot of people in the company. Specifically. Yeah. But why were they at the, why were they at the hotel? Or why was, why was his car parked not in the company parking lot? In the hotel parking lot. So... He also insisted that at the time of his death that Ray was no longer working for him. And now this I could only find in this interview he did with the Baltimore Sun. He said that six months prior, um, Ray had resigned from his position on his own accord and there was no hard feelings. This to me is really odd. I feel like that would have been really easy to disprove based on income. Like you have to freaking list income like taxes and shit 
All you have to do is look at somebody's but income taxes. This is this was an interview that came out after the Unsolved Mysteries episode came out just a couple of years ago. Or, yeah, literally a year ago. Yeah. So, as far as I can see, there has not been any follow-up or checking into this. So, I'm curious to know if Ray really had... Not been working there. Yeah. I'm really curious to know that. I mean, I how long know. was it until they were planning on moving? A couple it was, months or something? It was getting close. They moved in 2004, and it was they moved there in 2004. It was already 2006, so they were just a few months away from getting ready to move I mean, I guess back to L.A. No, because I'm sorry. I wouldn't leave my job until like at least two weeks before or right? a week before like you to pack up my house because you can't afford... Well, I'm sorry. When you're moving, I, I know how expensive it is to move. When, you, when you're moving, you need that money. Exactly. And on top of it, they've already gone through. They already had lived in L.A. They already experienced the hardships of him trying to break into so the film industry. So they needed as much so money as they So they knew that they needed every penny that yeah. they could get. And I know Allison was still working, but you feel like Ray would have just kept on with it. Even if he wasn't happy, his best friend owned the company. You think they would have found something else for him to do. And she said he was. Okay. My only thing. She said, said he she was, was working, working on from home. She said he was working from home and working on a very big project. Could he have been lying? And been working from home, but not really working. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he said he was working from home, but he was just kind of holed up in there working on a screenplay. Or, or something like that. I mean, I don't want to... I, I, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to say she's a liar. I don't want. I, I can't. I don't think she's a liar. I can't. Total, I don't want to make say he's a liar. You know, yeah. like I, I. I mean. But it's hard to say either way because we don't really know. Yeah, there's no like. Unless it's not like anybody's gone looking through their text. I say unless so. somebody literally goes into the company records, and comes out and says no, you know, Ray they Rivera was to turn, employed. Well, <sighs> well, you said this came out after the documentary, mm -hmm. so after everything's basically done. Quote yeah. unquote, done. So within the last year after Unsolved Mysteries, this information has come out. But you think that the police would have been like, because it's technically unsolved. Yeah. They would have been like, You think nah. that that interview would have been a big fucking deal? They would have been like, wait a second, you're telling me he didn't work there? What was he doing for those those six months that he was, quote, working from but home? I feel like the police would look check up on all of that stuff. Like yeah. if, the, if the wife said, oh, he worked here, they would go check up. Right. So who knows? Maybe that's something that they've looked into that they haven't released. I mean, I mean, it's possible. It's there was a ton of stuff on Honolulu Strangler that I exactly. couldn't find. Unsolved cases. They are going to take details and hold it. They hold them hold close to the chest. Yeah, exactly. Because they need to have something that when they bring, excuse me, bring into the, bring in the person, you know, who they think is there, they're going to try and catch them with in information, information that they're not supposed to have had mm -hmm. because it's not public knowledge. But um, in response to everything the porter said, Allison came out and said, quote, he had every opportunity to say this. And he waited. And this is me now. He waited until this Unsolved Mystery episode came out and more fingers were pointed at him. To say for anything. Him, for him to say anything. 15 years. She said she has not spoken to Porter since 2006. I'm sorry if my best friends... Girl, if you go fucking missing and show up in a mysterious fucking circumstance to have been dead, you bet your ass I am ripping this world in half. <laughs> in half. No one is surviving until I find out it's who like, killed you. It's like that meme of Shanann's friends. Yeah. From Chris with the Chris Watts case where it's like, I hope I have friends that yep. are like Shanann Watts' friends. Because, yeah, if you went missing, I'd be like, 
Ryan, where the fuck's my friend? <laughs> <laughs> and I would go to the police and I would, I would talk to them and I would like make sure that I was completely transparent with them. And like, because be I like, would want you to be found. Right. I'd be like, what do you need? I will literally tell you my deepest, darkest secrets. I right will now. move the earth. <laughs> To help find this beach. Like, <laughs> like, let's go. And what can I do? And it's like, he moved across the country to come work for you. He goes missing and shows up dead in a very mysterious way. And you put a gag order on your company. Stop talking to his wife. Stop talking to the family. Like, stop talking to Belize. That's yeah. bizarre and really suspicious. It's like and he then thought he has, that no fingers were going to come back. And well, that's the thing. Him. And he has the audacity to sit there and be like, everybody's pointing fingers at me. Because like, you put a gag order on because your Because you look suspicious, man. You could have said, hey, I didn't have anything to do with this, given police information and proven you didn't have anything to do with this. And they would have moved on. I didn't call, but here are my call logs. The, you can check. The main investigator in the case even had said that this was really suspicious like, of him to just stop like stop cooperating stop communicating gag his company like this this was bizarre this to him was if a police officer says that like Mm -hmm. you have to not tell us that so there's a lot of theories about (laughs) what happened to him what happened to him i don't know what the fuck happened to him (laughs) um obviously like i mentioned there is the theory that ray jumped to his death Mm -hmm. we talked about how this doesn't really make sense you know whether he depending on the part of the building he jumped from the speed he would have had to been moving at the distance in which he would have had to jump it's just not possible um there is um a big theory that believe he was killed and the scene was staged um the intact Mm. phone the glasses you know the nearby flip-flops the missing money clip and the odd way his legs were broken, they said maybe he was pushed from the roof. Maybe he was thrown from the roof. You know, um, one of the really crazy theories was that he was dropped from a helicopter. What? Yeah, I was like, I feel like somebody would have noticed a helicopter in the area that night. And like really low and kind of like, that would have been obvious. Because if he dropped, and then like... If it, you're if you're flying low enough, you can see anybody jumping out of that helicopter. Oh yeah, that, and that's the thing. It's like they talk to everybody in huh. the in the hotel. Workers, guests, they would have heard that. the hotel. They they requested, you know, people that were in the area that night, pedestrians, just passerbyers. No one saw anything. Even if he just jumped from the roof, you think somebody would have at least heard something? Heard something. Another theory that actually came up was that maybe he was killed because he lost someone money. Because, like I said, Stansbury Associates, they wrote about stocks, they wrote about investments. Um, and there were a few times that he did publish articles about stocks that he thought were going to bounce back, and they did not. Okay. So there was a few times that it's possible a couple people might have made a bad investment be- based on his advice. Okay. So people said maybe he was killed because of that. But again, there's no proof. There's literally nothing. So these are all just theories. Well, you think that if there was like a disgruntled customer or something, that there would have been run-ins with said disgruntled customer 
prior to his murder they would have been like especially if he was working from home you think they like would have been showing up at his front door yeah or like coming into the office I mean, demanding to speak to him like who somebody the fuck was trying to break in their house mm, i forgot about was that, that involved it in, was was that whole thing in this like the same light or did that have nothing to do with the murder at all yeah it's really like it could go either way it, it really could be could. completely in line with what happened or it could just be a coincidence that somebody tried to break in their house yeah so Weird. um and another theory that actually came to light since the unsolved mysteries episode one of the movies on the list in the note is called the game okay so if you've never heard of the game it is a 1997 movie featuring michael douglas and sean penn okay um i will do my best to give you a little synopsis of this i tried to write it down and i was just angering myself because it's a little bit difficult to explain okay so basically michael douglas plays a very wealthy man he's kind of a loner okay on his birthday his um estranged brother who's played by sean penn comes back into his life and he gets him this present and this present is the opportunity to play this real life game and you go to this company and what they do is they give you all these physical tests and they talk to you about your life and they basically have to approve you to play the game and he goes and they tell him that he's not approved they tell him he doesn't pass the tests and they can't let him play the game Okay. So he gets frustrated and he leaves, but he quickly realizes that that was the first part of the game. That telling him he failed the tests. So it starts out and it's like harmless pranks here and there. And then things kind of slowly start to get out of hand. He wakes up one morning and his bank account's drained. He like, like people are coming after him. There's all these bad things that start happening to him. And he doesn't have a lot of friends, so he ends up trying to enlist the help of his ex-wife that he hasn't spoken to in many years, and he, like, starts to freak out. He tries to go to police, and police don't believe him. He goes back to the offices where this these game people, like, interviewed him and did all these tests, and the like, offices are out. abandoned, <gasps> and so he is watching tv one night and he actually sees a commercial in which one of the people who were at the offices is in this commercial so he manages to figure out his name and track him down and this he orders this person to take him to the head of this company that's in charge of this game game. so he gets to this person and they're like it's literally a game it's a joke this is this is not all your money's intact your friends are alive like everything's fine you are fine and it's all supposed to basically make him more appreciative of the things that he has but he doesn't believe them oh and so the movie ends and he flings himself off the roof of a hotel and falls through the glass ceiling below yikes only that seems oddly specific the only difference is he survives the fall um they had like a one of those mattress those like falling pads set up and they actually like they finally like get a hold of him and they bring him into this room and all of his family's there all of his friends are there and it's like a big surprise for him 
it was supposed to be like a birthday present and like i said it really was to get him to appreciate things more so that's how the movie ends but the main scene at the end is the fact that he flings himself off off the roof of this hotel and falls through the roof of another one and somebody was like wait a minute that's like exactly what fucking happened to him and that people are starting to wonder if maybe he made a bad investment or he thought he was having money issues and he wasn't something because he started to act all paranoid so they were like maybe he made a deal with somebody and things weren't going well something but um unfortunately allison did came out and she kind of dispelled this theory and she said you know i've been over this note 18 million times i've read through this list of movies and he enjoyed all these movies but there's really not one that stuck out more than the other and i really never processed the game on that list as being anything more than just another movie title right because she was like to ray it was just another movie it's just like an odd coincidence so it was just a really odd coincidence but in her eyes in her eyes at least and in the eyes of the police but this this viewer did note that and i thought that was quite interesting i think that's weird but i'm not sure if it has anything to do with yeah death it's just it's interesting i think Um, that i'm sorry i think porter had something to fucking do with it um but like i said this case is still unsolved Allison is still looking for answers. His family is still looking for answers. They are alive. Um, he was. They were. This didn't happen that long ago. His his mom talks in the documentary. His brother yeah. talks in the documentary. Um, and they just ask that if anybody has any information, um, I will link this in the show notes. It's unsolved.com slash tips. Um, and you can go there and if you have any information you can submit it to them they will give it to police um as far as i could i could not find a direct tip line for police but this is through unsolved mysteries they accept tips for all the cases that they cover um so yeah this case drives me cuckoo bonkers that poor guy he i don't think he commits suicide don't i definitely don't think that I, think I don't know what happened. That's the thing is like, it's almost like there's this missing piece of the puzzle and it all starts with Porter's gag order. If we knew what that phone call was about, maybe we'd have some kind of answers. We'd at least know why he screamed, oh shit, and ran out of the house like a frantic lunatic, leaving all the lights on. Like he ran out of there quickly in a, such a hurry that like this was whatever happened was bad. You'd think that there would be, like, you know, though, like, if um, something bad happened with the stocks or something. Say, like, the stocks started tanking or whatever. Mm. There would be evidence other than at Porter's company that the stocks were plummeting. Yeah. Like, there would have been other evidence that something within the financial market was going on. Yeah. Where possibly if he worked there, which Porter claims he didn't, but if he worked there and he was giving advice, if something was going on, he could call and say, this is fucked up. And they, and he would show up, but there would be evidence in the financial market. Yeah. Had that been the case. Mm -hmm. 
And um, one theory that I did, I'm sorry, I did skip over it. Um, people did talk about the fact that the, I mentioned the SEC and the fact that they got sued for sued. that fra- fraudulent advice. Um, even though it was before um, Ray's time at the company, some people say that maybe he stumbled across something he wasn't supposed to, found information he wasn't supposed to yeah. find. That's and, my theory. You know, they called him and faked some kind of emergency, said you need to get down here. And did he something. like uncovered some like hidden information or something doing his research for the financial and that's, I- advice column or whatever he was doing. Um, that is what Allison believes that he knew something he was not supposed to. Um, there's I mean, can, can you imagine if you know something you're not supposed to know and then somebody tries to break in your house? Yep. And somebody just shows up while you're like maybe somebody threatened him and threatened his wife. And that was why he was afraid yeah. to have her run alone. Oh, we're going to grab her next time she's out for her run. Yeah. You know? And he was like, you okay, well, I'm never letting you run outside by yourself again. Yep. And as much as, like, somebody says, like, oh, I'm never going to tell that shit. Like, and, you know, the maybe, company doesn't know that, quote unquote. So. And maybe he thought he was home free with moving back to L.A. He, he was, was gonna, like, okay, I'm done with this He was going to get away from it. And then, you know, they got back and they said, oh, you think you can run from this, but you can't. And that's why he started acting really paranoid right away. Yeah. And it all seems very strange. It's just, it does. It seems really, really strange. I don't get any of it. There's a huge, huge open gap of missing information. And I feel like if you knew that information, the case would blow wide open. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Like the minute that that information that is missing came into play. Everything would be solved. It'd be done. And that's like everybody would have closure. And that's the thing. I think I think that phone call is that piece of information. It's the key. Why did he run out of the house saying, oh, shit? Why did he go to the Belvedere Hotel? Why was that where he went? And he didn't go to it, off, it the was, office. It wasn't near his offices. It wasn't near a friend's house. It wasn't anywhere that he should have been. It was not like somewhere he'd been like, before. Oh, it wasn't like Allison was like, oh, he's had meetings at this hotel before. Yeah. No, nothing. Literally nothing. He had no connections to this place. <sighs> and they're trying to they're, they're trying to say that he ran out of the house frantically to go jump off a building and commit suicide. Yeah. I think that there are two lines where we could go. And what, it kind of the evidence that we have kind of points to one theory more than the other the one theory is that somebody from the financial company whether it be porter or not porter called ray and he met them somewhere maybe he knew information he wasn't supposed to who knows but he met his untimely in that way Mm -hmm. or oh ha i just thought of this (laughs) give it to me (laughs) or he was interested in the Freemasons, right? Maybe somebody from the company had gotten him involved in some Freemason thing that wasn't the real Freemason shit. Oh. And he went to meet them who was from the company to go do this Freemason shit, which is not real. And that's how it happened. They were under the and guise that it was Freemasonry and he was doing research. And so he thought this person from his company wouldn't betray him. Had right? all these connections and stuff. But then he slowly started to learn that 
this might not be right. And when, because he did, he called contacted the, he the contacted the, that local chapter that day he disappeared. Asking, the day he disappeared? The day, it was literally the day he disappeared. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Yes. I, oh. It was or the, I didn't hear you say that. Yeah. It, <laughs> you probably did. I did. It's okay. And I was just like, wine. <laughs> no, he, he did. It was the day he disappeared is when he called to inquire about how you joined the Freemasons. The game. The game. They were making him play the game. And then he called the Freemasons and found out that it wasn't right. Yep. And That's maybe, what I think. Maybe he like went to confront them. Maybe he. Now, why did he say, oh, shit, then? I don't know. Maybe somebody was like, they figured out that, you know, you know that we know that they know. That yeah. We know. <laughs> Friends. <laughs> <laughs> like, they know that, you know. Yeah. And he was like, oh, shit. And they were like, meet me here. And yeah. he did. And it was like an ambush. Oh, no. That's what I fucking think. Oh, that my just God. came in my brain. I'm smart. That's a really crazy theory. Because I did it, could, not it, think it, about it that. brings in everything. It does. It brings in the Freemasonry. It brings in the weird no, the, the weird, weird no, the random research that he did. Oh, boom, <laughs> boom, ghosted, <laughs> boom, ghosted. <laughs> you guys don't get that. That's kind of like an office thing where he's like, uh, "What is it, Stanley? You." You crush women during sex. Boom. Boom. Roasted. roasted. <laughs> but we say ghosted. Because <laughs> we spooky. Because we're spooky people. Oh, my God. I can't believe I just thought of that. That so came to my brain, like, really quick. And I was like, wait. I've had those. Th- I, I, yeah. What? Are those the greatest, though? You like, the you're like, wait. The Freemasons. That's fucking nuts, though. Yeah, I totally think that now. It, de- it definitely, like, bre- I, I feel like it has something to do with both. There's it, so much it, evidence pointing to this direction and this direction. It ties it in literally everything. Ghosted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. What a case, Nicole. Guys. Last one of Unsolved. Thank that's, God. That's why I wanted to cover it. I was, I did have another case plan for today, and I started doing research for it, and I had, like, 15 million sources and a lot of them are documentaries and i was like you can't watch all that i am in not no, if you have weeks <laughs> well like and on top of it i went home i like i'm in between jobs like i took a week to go visit family and stuff so like i went home and i was at home i like didn't have anything i could do research on i hadn't gotten my new computer yet my mom had i sold my mom my ipad so i was like what am I supposed to do right now? <laughs> I was like, I can't do research for like four days. <laughs> Nothing. And so I ended up finding, I ended up deciding, I was like, I do know this case very well. And so I decided to do this one. And the research was actually very easy because I knew most of it. You knew a lot of it. Yeah. I just yeah. had to write it down for my own. Yeah. And, and double check and like, yeah. like, okay, I just want to make sure what I remember is correct. Exactly. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> I, like, knew a lot about the Fred and Rose- Rosemary West case because I'd listened mm-hmm. to a whole long podcast about it. Yeah. And I actually re-listened to it. I don't normally, but it was very, like, it wasn't, like, opinion-based. Kind yeah. of like ours, like, where we, like, kind of say our opinions at the end. It was very, like, factual. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the evidence they had, and this is what happened. Like, yeah. you know, like, there's, like, nothing other than the facts yeah. in it. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll listen to this again. But it's like the unheard, the unheard, whatever, of Fred and Rosemary West. But I just had to, like, refresh my memory. Yeah. Because I was like, I know a lot about this, like, thing. 
<laughs> I'm not as much as I found out later on. Yeah. Because I read that book and it was terrifying. Oh, my God. But, yeah, this case. Wow. Poor Ray Rivera. Seriously, though. And poor Allison. Poor Allison. They were just so, they look <sighs> like they're wet. They're literally, and they end the unsolved mysteries, like, flashing back to the wedding. Their wedding. And I was like, oh, my God, please don't. I'm going to fucking start crying again. Oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's just so heartbreaking. They were so happy, and they had everything they wanted, and it was just like. And that's why it's so hard to believe that he just up and killed himself. Exactly. They that just make any It sense. just, and I know. I don't want to sound, I'm not trying to sound ignorant. I know that there are people who are very good at hiding their signs of depression and suicidal thoughts and things like that. But it just seems that so odd that there wasn't, there wasn't a single person in his family, not even his wife, who had the tiniest of inklings that he was even slightly unhappy. Even when Allison said he was being paranoid, never did she say he was unhappy. Right. She just said he was acting kind of strange. acting a little strange. He was a little bit paranoid. But never did she say he was, like, depressed or sad. Like, it, he just had a little bit of fear. And that's what makes me think that this was not suicide, that this is something that is something else. Something, something totally else. Totally and I, I don't, I, I really hope the police eventually solve this. I hope, I hope something so comes too. out somewhere. I want to know what that phone call was. I want to know who made it. Because, like, you got to think. I feel like they can get that, though. I feel like they should be able to coerce that. Not, not, or maybe not even coerce it. Maybe that's not the right word. But, like. I would have, like, infiltrated. I would have been like, you're going to go for a job. We're going to get you a job there. And you're going to slowly work your way through the company. And you're going to find out who made the call that day. But it's like, who's to say that that person didn't but I feel like quit went, two weeks later? But I feel like if you went in with a fucking court order that said, you have to give me your call logs in and out from this day, mm-hmm. they would have to comply. They can't not comply. That's true. I feel a like a court order, a subpoena, things like that. They can't not do that. A gag order is totally different. I think the problem comes down to the fact that when you go to get the subpoena you have to present the evidence and they just and, don't have any and they don't have any evidence it's like yeah this phone call made him say oh shit run out of the house and yes that is the call that made him leave but that but doesn't mean necessarily there's no direct correlation between that call and his death there well at is, this point yeah well it is very strange and you could theorize that they are linked a judge is going to look at that and say there's not enough evidence and i think that might be why they have not subpoenaed them because i don't think they can because that would have been my first thought i was like why the fuck aren't we just subpoenaing them i want to fucking we need this they should they should be like you are obstructing justice here is my fucking warrant now give me my shit i hope eventually down the line there is a judge that is like no you need to hand over these call logs and i hope to I God, mean, but how, how many years 15 years later 15 they're gonna years, still have the call i was logs? gonna say i i don't know if they'll even have them at this point which makes me really sad I feel like this case could have been solved if Porter hadn't done if Porter hadn't gag ordered his company. And I think at least maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not solved, but we could have at least gotten some answers, more answers than we have. And. And what was bad about that call that you needed to gag order your company? Exactly. So it was suspicious. Yeah. It it makes it seem like something was really. You have something to hide. Mm -hmm. You, you, you exactly. You have something to hide. Well, to wrap up that crazy ass case, <laughs> Macy, where can our <laughs> listeners find us? Oh, you beautiful people. 
I hope that you already listened to us already. What? That song that plays during the credits of Burlesque, and it's like the cover of the Maryland. I've never seen Burlesque. (gasps) (gasps) (laughs) The one movie Nicole has seen and I have not seen. You guys, okay, here's the thing. I enjoy movie musicals a lot. Burlesque was one of the first ones I ever truly, like, fell in love with and mm. like i downloaded the soundtrack and it's like one of the soundtracks i could probably sing it to you front and back and you don't want to hear that because it's really terrible but i could because that's how because many times i've heard it nicole's a good singer and she tells people she's not mom did you hear that mom do you believe her now <laughs> I, she's like i'm such a bad singer i'm such a bad singer and then one day she sang in front of me and i was like you're a good singer. <laughs> I just don't have any training. Most people I got don't none. have any training. I got nothing. <laughs> you just got to learn how to use your breath. Yeah, see that? I don't know. Because sometimes you hear singers and it's so annoying. I'll be listening to the radio. And it's like. You hear like this air escaping through their vocal cords every time they finish singing. Well, it's because they've taken. Well, now you guys will hear it like every time it happens now. (laughs) Now that I've mentioned it and you hear me. Um, But it's because you take in too much air when you're singing. Yeah. And so when you're done with a phrase, your body has to expel the rest of the air that you have inhaled. So it's just like really quick. Or people are like singing like, oh, it's oh, I'm sorry. I really love Billie Eilish, but she's just like, I'm a bad guy. It's like all I'm. It's all I'm proud. You're not supporting anything. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Where can they find us? <laughs> her new album sounds much different, by the way. Who? Billie Eilish. Now she does? Her, her new album. It's oh, God. Like, I love her, and I think she's a really good music. I, I think, think she's, she's gorgeous. I think she's beautiful, and I think she <laughs> is a really great. Um, she's very unique, and I a like a great that. Com- singer and a composer. But it was just like the style she was doing for a while. Well, yeah, and, was like, and I just was like, "Ugh, sing <laughs> on your breath." Okay, guys, you can find us <laughs> after that tangent <laughs> on Patreon. Please go. Subscribe to us on Patreon if you feel so inclined. Patreon.com slash Buzzkillers Podcast. Thank you. I feel like I should know that. Oh, <laughs> so that'll be perfect. Patreon, Facebook, and Instagram, Buzzkillers Podcast. We are Buzzkillers Podcast. Perfect. Awesome. Yes. Um, <laughs> if you um, subscribe to the Patreon, we have two tiers. First tier and second tier are pretty similar, but the second tier you get a... Um, personalized note mm-hmm. and a sticker a buzzkiller sticker from the two of us and um you also are get to be a part of our instagram close friends list yes. so we're going to be doing a lot of really cool things coming in the fall and over the summer um so if you want to get that exclusive content that nobody else but our close mm-hmm. friends list gets to see then go and subscribe to that please thank yes, you yes please um, <laughs> like I said, our Facebook and Instagram is at Buzzkillers Podcast. At Buzzkillers Podcast. <laughs> our Twitter is at Buzzkillers Pod. At Buzzkillers Pod. You can find us on YouTube at Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. Buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast. If you like and subscribe, we <laughs> and we get up to 100 subscribers, we can make a 
custom URL and we will not have to give you that whole spiel anymore. We'll just be like, look up us, Killers Podcast. You'll be good. <laughs> we there. <laughs> We're there. Uh, you can also listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts, um, but most specifically Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, slash Audible, Google Podcasts, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and our host pad platform. Padform. Platypus. Platypus. I think I said that that the other week, too. Our host platypus. (laughs) Podbean. Love my host Um, platypus. And we love our host platypus. He's all fancy with a bow tie and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm picturing a platypus that's like all purple with a bow tie. Well, no, no, because we'd have to make him the podbean colors, which is like green. Oh, he's like green. So he'd be green with a bow tie. But um, yeah, so thank you for liking and subscribing. And our website. Oh, and our website. Yes. www.buzzkillerspodcast.com. Yes. On that website, you can learn a little bit about us. We have little bios on there. You can listen to the podcast if you aren't listening on any of the other apps I just said. And you can also send us a hand-dandy contact page. Mm-hmm. You just have to put in your name and your email and your message, and it will send directly to us. Or you can email us at buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. Buskillerspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> also, I just thought of something that I totally forgot. What? Shout out to our very, very first Patreon. <gasps> Yay! We had our very first Patreon. Subscribe to us. His name is Justin Ware. So thank you, Justin, for joining us on that wild ass ride thank that you, is Justin. Patreon. Um, we appreciate it so much more than you know. Um, and if you do subscribe to the patreon we will shout you out yes faux show hell e so thank you justin yes we appreciate your face and the rest of you <laughs> but most importantly your face <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> anyway the wine I, I finished my wine i, I did i finished my wine too <laughs> okay, okay i'm done now so all right well thanks guys for listening um we appreciate you endlessly i hope you so would know much. that by now so um, much we're just so deeply thankful that you guys want to listen to us every week. Right. <laughs> we just started this because we thought it would be fun for ourselves. I wouldn't have to go back and get a forensic psychology degree. So um, <laughs> The podcast was slightly cheaper than the degree. The is, I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty cheap <laughs> in comparison to getting a four-year degree. Um, but we appreciate you so much. And... Um, we are so excited to bring you some new stuff. And next month, we will be announcing that on July 1st. Yes. And like we said special last episode. We have a special guest. So excited. Like we said uh, last episode, this is our um, creation month. Yes. I don't know what else to call it. It's not like the we started in August last year. I so say launch month was August. Launch the beginning of the beginning but of the episode. It's officially. like our birth month. Yeah, it's our birth month. Is July, and um, we've got some really exciting cases for you coming up. We've got a special guest coming up. Um, it's we've got just a really we've cool, got a cool thing, fucking and we've got coming. like things coming up, like a lot of stuff. <sighs> so we've got another hopefully Patreon thing coming to you guys. Yes, um, hopefully we, a few. <laughs> huh? Hopefully a few. Things. Hopefully a few things because <laughs> we've um, we've been we've been doing all research around here. So um, <laughs> just remember. Don't be a buzzkill. Be a buzzard. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to come with a giggle just like the intro. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't care. Don't judge me. (laughs) Doesn't make sense. I'm going to giggle. 
deal with it. Well, we just had this conversation where like <laughs> Tyler was like, the, like you would want to be a buzz killer if you're lo- listening to the buzz killers, right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you, there's a lot of work that goes into being a buzz kill. <laughs> you still don't want to be a buzz kill. This case was a buzz kill. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I really hate it. God damn it. No one knows what happened to him. Justice for Ray Rivera. Yes. Hashtag justice for Ray Rivera. Okay, everybody, we love you so much. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will catch you next week. Yep. Okay, bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by BK Creations, LLC.